Well, we're going to begin tonight with just a few quick reminders of the high points that we had last week, sort of the, sort of the main points of last week's lesson, which was our first introductory lesson in the book of Proverbs. Um, first of all, we learned last week that wisdom comes from God. He's the sole source of true wisdom. Um, and even though it's, wisdom is more valuable than precious stones, we don't even know where to start looking for it. And having that awareness of just how helpless we are when it comes to finding wisdom sort of leads us into the next main point that I want to remind you of, which is we must be humble. If you're arrogant, you either won't ask for wisdom or you won't even realize that you need it. Um, and so since God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, humility is a prerequisite for wisdom. And we saw that in Solomon's life, didn't we? Remember this story in 1 Kings chapter 3, God gave Solomon this blank check. I'll give you whatever you ask for. Well, Solomon's humility prompted him to ask for God's help and God's wisdom. He realized that he was not prepared to be king on his own. He was not up to that task. He needed God's help. He needed God's wisdom. And God granted that request. Which is the third point I want you to remember from last week is that Solomon is the right man to give us the book of Proverbs that's so much about wisdom because God gave him incredible wisdom. And then finally, since Solomon is the son of David and king of Israel, which he, he reminded us that in verse 1 of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is not just some random collection of quotes that, that has just dropped in out of nowhere, but it fits in the overall framework and context of the Old Testament, which ultimately leads us to Jesus Christ. So as we study wisdom in Proverbs, one thing that should happen is we learn more about our Savior. And we're more fascinated by Him. We, we realize the wisdom that He displayed in His life at every step. Uh, and we should be more thankful for Him. So tonight is sort of another introductory lesson. Except this one is a lesson that Solomon's going to give us. So we're going to look sort of at Solomon's introduction tonight. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1, uh, verse 2 through 6. It's always helpful when a student in a classroom knows what to expect, or at least it was for me. Uh, when I was in school, I loved it when a teacher laid out beforehand what we were going to do that day, or maybe that week or that month. It was, to me, it was nice to feel organized, to so sort of have a plan, um, nice to have an idea about what to expect, what, we'd be, what we would be learning about, and all those sorts of things. And Solomon begins the book of Proverbs that way. He, he organizes it out for us. He lays it out. He tells us what to expect. And in the verses we'll look at tonight, we'll see that Solomon is going to give us five goals or five expectations, five benefits, or I have on the, on the slide that, that you may be able to see, five purposes. Five purposes for Proverbs. And it, it, this is going to help us moving forward because we know the purposes. He lays them out for us. But I hope that it also will encourage us and challenge us to commit ourselves to this study because we do know these great benefits that Solomon wants us to, to receive from it. And they are, there are five very weighty and amazing purposes to the book of Proverbs. So let's read Proverbs chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1 through 7, but we'll just sort of focus on 2 through 6 tonight. I'm reading from the ESV, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. 
to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So tonight we'll break down verse 2 through 6 and sort of the lesson's going to revolve around these five purposes or goals that Solomon puts forth. And they're, they're a little, in a way they're easy to pick out because they all have the word to in front of them. All right, And that, that lets us know that Solomon's giving us a purpose here. And you'll see that five times in these verses. And so the first time you see it, in verse 2, we see this, uh, this phrase, to know wisdom and instruction. The very first purpose of this book is so that we would know wisdom and instruction. What does it mean to know something? Well, in English, it's a little bit different than in Hebrew. In Hebrew, to know something was a little deeper than our English understanding of it. It, it does involve learning it does involve gaining knowledge or information like we think, but it's more than just intelligence, more than just knowing facts and figures. So in Hebrew, knowing something also implied a relationship with it. One author says, knowledge was never an abstract proposition in the book of Proverbs. It always implied a relationship. And that may seem weird to us, just to our maybe Western minds, but it's not that odd in fact, I think I can give you an example even in the Old Testament with a common way the word know is used, and you will understand there is this implied relationship there. But often you see this word know when it refers about a man knowing his wife. Obviously, there's a, a relationship involved and implied there. It's a lot more than just the man knew uh, the, the wife's favorite color or her birth date. Or anything like that there there is a relationship implied there and so with that in mind one goal or one purpose of this book of Proverbs is that we not just learn or know about wisdom and instruction but that we actually develop a relationship with them that makes it a little bit deeper doesn't it to know wisdom and instruction but what exactly does that mean what is wisdom what is instruction this word wisdom is used almost 150 times in the old testament and it's used more in proverbs than any other book probably no surprise there but it's actually used in a pretty wide range of contexts it's not always used about quote smart people and when we sort of look at the different ways it's used we get a pretty fascinating and powerful picture of what sort of what it means at its foundation. And, and, and really, this may be sort of an oversimplification, uh, an oversimplification, but it's not far off. Kind of the idea of the word is just being good at something. Being good at something. Being skillful at something. So in the Old Testament, when this word is used in different contexts, sometimes it could just refer to technical skill. Sometimes it refers to craftsmanship. Sometimes it refers to someone being very competent in, in military things. It, it refers to a sailor's ability to sail. And, we, and you guys that are here that can maybe see the slides, slides you see that, 
Um, and I'm going to give you some of those contexts here. In Exodus, when God told Moses what the priestly garments should look like, very intricate details to how these clothes needed to be made, he told Moses to find wise people. Well, did that mean he needed to go, go across Israel and find the seamstress or the tailor that was the smartest, had had the highest IQ? No, that's not what it meant, but it meant you need to find people that are skilled in making clothes. It meant that these, these people were good at it. They were good at making clothes. Um, the same words used to describe men in Exodus when God is giving Moses uh, how to construct the tabernacle and the tabernacle furnishings. And these were men that were gifted craftsmen. They were wise in, in, in the art of, of building things. In Isaiah, this word is used to describe the military competence of the king of Assyria. He was skillful in war. And, and it referred to sailors' sailing ability in Psalm 107. That's a lot of different contexts for this word that really means wisdom, right? So if we back up and get an overview of the word, it means to be good at something. To be skillful in that area and to be able to put that skill to use. One author says it this way. The wise man is the man who has mastered something. And he says, wisdom is never merely a matter of knowing facts, but of knowing what to do with them and doing it. And doesn't that kind of match up and agree with maybe what a very common definition of wisdom is that we have, is that wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. Like, I don't care how smart you are if you don't know how to use it, right? So we, we say wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge, and I don't think that's far off here. I heard one time that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to make a cobbler out of it. And I like that. And so if wisdom does have this idea of skill and mastery and being good at something, well, what are we trying to master? What do we want to become skilled in? The answer is we want to become skilled in life. We want to become skilled in living. And that means, first and foremost, skilled in living for God. And then that will overflow, and we will be skilled with dealing with other people and living with other people as well. That's even the way one man defines wisdom. This author, this author says, Wisdom is the art of getting along successfully with God and with men. Getting along with God may seem a little casual, but the, the man does not mean it in a disrespectful, you know, nonchalant sort of way. It's his way of saying it's pleasing to God. It's, it's being skilled in living for Him. And if we can cultivate a relationship with wisdom... And, and become skilled in living for God, then will that not change our interactions with other people as well? If I'm skilled in living for the Lord and I apply that to my life, there is no area of my life that is not affected by that. Not one single area. So one writer says, By this book, one can learn the principles that determine success or failure in the major arenas of human activity, including business, personal relationships, family life, and community life. If I'm wise in living for God, and I'm, I'm skilled in putting that into practice, everything else will change. 
My relationships will change. The way I raise my children will change. The way I view money will change. My ultimate goals in life will change. And that, that success that we're talking about or that, that change, it doesn't always equate to a physically blessed life. It doesn't mean you'll have a life that the world might label as successful. Now, you might. It's not a promise. But you'll be pleasing to God. Think back to Jesus. He's the embodiment of wisdom. And yet, he was crucified like a slave. He never owned, owned a home. He never had his own family. This world would look at Jesus Christ as a failure, not as a success. He was crucified as a penniless, homeless. Even his disciples abandoned him. But he was a success in the Father's eyes. No one ever lived more skillfully than Jesus Christ. So knowing wisdom will change everything about our lives. I read one man, though, who said, okay, if wisdom is so desirable, if it can affect that much change... Basically, why isn't everybody running and falling over themselves to get wisdom? And he says it's because of the next word, instruction. According to Solomon, it's not just wisdom that we want to cultivate this relationship with. It's also instruction, and they, they go together. The first part of the goal is wisdom. But instruction's not quite as fancy or as glamorous sounding as wisdom. I'll sign up for wisdom. Just don't instruct me, Right? The ESV translates the Hebrew word here for, for instruction in eight different ways. And I want, you to, I want you to listen to the ways this is translated. Obviously, instruction is one. Discipline. Correction. Warning. Bonds. Censure. Chastisement. And punishment. Ugh. Those, weren't, those words aren't as friendly as wisdom, right? Discipline, correction, warning, I don't want to hear that stuff. But that's what this word means. This word speaks about being corrected. It refers to what one man says, correction, which results in education. It's humbling when we realize, and it's tough to admit, that we're wrong. We're wrong about things, that we're sinful, that we don't know it all, that we need training in life just like a child. If we're going to, be, if we're going to truly become skillful in living for the Lord, it will involve His correction in our lives. And people don't always like to be corrected, do they? Wisdom sounds great. Mm. Correction, maybe not so much. Look at the end of verse 7 again. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Same two words he's just used, wisdom and instruction. Sounds good. Fools despise them both. In Proverbs thirteen seven, Solomon says this, a wise son hears his father's instruction. There's that word. He says, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Even the, the sort of comparison of instruction to rebuke, we sort of see that, that correction thing going on here. 
Not everybody likes to be rebuked. Not everybody likes to be corrected and disciplined. But whether we like it or not, this process of Proverbs and learning this will involve correction. Maybe that's part of the reason humility is such a must, right? Maybe it takes some humility to, to receive that, that correction. I read this quote and I, I, I love it. One man said, We are foolish people pursuing wisdom by humbling ourselves under the Lord's correction. That's about the best way you can say it. And so we see up front, hopefully we see that this is not just going to be an, uh, a mental exercise. It's not just about intelligence. Because if there's correction and discipline involved, then we're also talking about character building. I mentioned last week, if you're not careful, if you don't watch it, you just might become a better person. The purpose of this book is that we know wisdom and instruction. That's the first purpose that, that Solomon lays out. The next purpose that he lays out at the end of verse 2, you see this word to again, to understand words of insight. This is a, a kind of an interesting purpose because the word for understand there and the word for insight actually come from the same Hebrew word. Uh, you may say, you might could say it a little bit like this, cause me to understand words of understanding. That's kind of the idea of it. You say, well, what words of insight are we talking about? What words of understanding? Well, I believe it's the Word of God, first of all, and then specifically this book, right? This is the book he's writing that's all about wisdom and living for the Lord skillfully. So these are the words of insight, and we want to be able to understand them. And the idea of understanding this word means that you have the ability to, ju to judge the distinction between things. Even the Hebrew word between comes in this same family of words. So the idea is that you have the ability to discern between things. And you can make a proper judgment then. And it's used a lot in the Bible. And it describes different people. This word for understanding described how discerning Joseph was in Egypt when he stood before Pharaoh and interpreted those dreams. It described how David perceived that his first child with Bathsheba had passed away even though the servants were afraid to tell him. He, he understood it. He discerned it. Um, it. It described how the prophet Daniel understood that the Babylonian captivity was coming to a close because he was reading Jeremiah. And he kind of did some calculations. You know, I think it's been about 70 years. He, he judged that. And interestingly enough, maybe not surprisingly, but this is one of the very things that Solomon asked God for in 1 Kings chapter 3. In 1 Kings 3, 9, Solomon said, Give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. And that word discern there is coming from the same word as understanding here in Proverbs. Solomon wanted God to give him the ability to discern between good and evil, to see the space between these two things, and then be able to make proper, applicable judgments when he realized those, that distinction. And once again, it's important that we realize this ability comes directly from God. Right? God gave this to Solomon. And think about this. And now Solomon wants us to gain that as we study this book. What God gifted Solomon, Solomon says, 
this is the purpose of this book. And that's, I just think that's amazing. And so even similar to Solomon is that the source for our understanding is still coming from God because this is inspired Scripture. God's Word and God, are, are they are the source and they are the standard of having proper understanding. If we rely on our own discern, discernment, our own judgment, our own understanding, we're going to be in trouble. Solomon's going to warn us about that. He's going to urge us not to do that, right? And in one of the most famous verses in Proverbs, Solomon said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Same word. So as we look through Proverbs, we want to cultivate this spiritual viewpoint about life, a godly worldview where we see things from God's perspective, where we don't have the same understanding about things that this sinful world does. We don't have the same judgment or evaluation that a lost person does. We want to be able to make better judgments, wiser judgments, different judgments, just like Solomon did when he was king of Israel. And so that's the second purpose, to understand words of insight. The third purpose that Solomon gives us is found in verse 3, and he says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, and then he says in righteousness, justice, and equity. Okay, so we've seen this word, um, instruction. We've already seen this. It's the same word. It has the discipline, correction word, we need to receive discipline in a certain area, and Solomon says it's in wise dealing. And this word, uh, it's an interesting word. It kind of has the idea, uh, if you can see the slide there, common sense, reasoning, and insight. It sort of has the idea of reasoning through a problem, even one that's very complicated and complex, but you can use good common sense to do it. You can use sound reasoning. You can sort of evaluate your circumstances and see what's going on and make a good, proper response. You know, make, a, make a good, proper decision. And we need correction to do that because we're sinners. We need God's help to do that. And if we receive that correction in, in our common sense, in our, uh, in our reasoning then that will manifest itself in three areas. And that's where the righteousness, justice, and equity come into play. And we're going to go kind of quickly through those. But righteousness is whatever conforms to God's will. It's whatever conforms to God's set standard. Justice refers to just judgments and decisions. And then the word equity, think about the word upright, or fairness, or even straightness, uh, at least one time in the Old Testament, it describes a straight level road. You can walk down that road. You don't have to worry about, about falling off the path. It's, it's a clean path to walk down. And so Solomon wants our common sense and reasoning to receive the Lord's discipline and correction. And then that will show up in different areas of our lives. Righteousness, justice, equity. It'll show up in how we how we conform to God's will. It'll show up in the decisions we make and the judgments we, we make. It'll show up in how morally upright and fair we are. Is it really a surprise that if we receive God's instruction in wise dealings that it will manifest itself in these areas? It's no surprise at all to me because that's who God is. He's righteous. He's just. He's, he's equitable. 
So God, God is teaching us to be more like Him. He's teaching us to be more like Him. The next stated purpose in verse 4, sort of a dual one here. Solomon says, to give prudence to the simple and then knowledge and discretion to the youth. There's really nothing fancy about the word give, but what's, what is the book claiming to give us? And, and the answer there is obviously prudence to the simple. Prudence um, is, a, is an interesting word because depending on the context, it could be good or bad. Kind of like maybe our English word clever. Some people are clever in a bad way. Some people are clever in a good way. This word's actually used in Genesis 3 to talk about the serpent. He's very subtle, crafty. It's, it's from that same word. But in a good context, this word refers to uh, prudence in a good sense or um, clever or shrewd in a good way, in, in, a, in a wise way, a good way of handling things. And so Solomon wants to give that to the simple. This will make you feel real good about yourself, right? If you feel like you fall into the crowd that's labeled the simple. Most of the time that this word is used in the Old Testament, it does have a negative connotation with it. Um, and it really kind of has the idea of someone who is gullible or someone who is naive. And we'll see here in just a minute. It's someone who is so open-minded that they're too open-minded. They're open to everything including lies and falsehood. They, they can't determine the difference between truth and error. They're open to everything, including sin. They can be easily enticed because they can't discern things. They're, they're too simple. Solomon's going to say this later on in Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 15, he says, the simple believes everything. There's no judgment, no discernment there. But he says, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. And so one of Solomon's goals, he's not making fun of us if we're this simple person. One of his goals is that we don't remain that simple person, that we don't remain the gullible, naive person who is so open-minded that we'll accept anything. We need to have some shrewdness about us a cleverness that we can start to use these judgments to determine what's right and wrong, what's wise and foolish, what's true and, and, and error. He wants to give some prudence and good reasoning to naive people as we consider our beliefs and as we consider our steps in life. Don't just be open to anything. And then coupled with that is, is the goal of, at the end of the verse, uh, the goal of giving knowledge and discretion to the youth. Now, youth and simple are a little bit different here. Youth has the idea, it can refer to a very small child, even a baby, all the way up to maybe a young adult. But the main idea is that of a younger person as opposed to an older person. So, if you're a young person and you thought Proverbs is about wisdom, that's just for old people. You can't really have wisdom until you have a wrinkly face and a long gray beard. You were wrong. Proverbs has something to offer young people. He wants to give you knowledge and discretion. You say, okay, what does that mean? These two words sort of work together. 
And one author says it this way, that they work together to describe the ability to make plans or formulate the best course of action for gaining a goal. This is a really, really cool idea here because it, it, a lot of that comes from this word discretion. This Hebrew word for discretion, it has the idea of thoughts and plans and purposes. Like a lot of Hebrew words, it can sort of be good sometimes and bad sometimes. And on the bad side of it, it, it would be a scheme, an evil plan, a device, something like that. But on the good side, it's, you know, planning and intention and purposes. Okay, and so... The idea here is that Solomon says, I want to give you youths skill in planning. Not to pick on young people. And hopefully the young people at North Bryant are different. But if you look around the world, okay, generally speaking, proverbially speaking, can I say that? How many young people in this world have no skill in planning? They're lazy, no ambition, no goals. They jump from one sinful experience to the other, trying to find maybe joy or satisfaction in that, never adding anything to society, not caring maybe about God, not showing respect to their parents or you name it. They wake up one day and they're, they're still living in their parents' basement and they're 40 years old. And what do we say about, about that? Did they not have a plan? I mean, that's even just a secular thing that people think sometimes, right? And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to pick. Did they not have a plan? Solomon wants to give you young people the ability to make a plan. And as we move forward in the book, you'll see that the plan centers around putting God first in your life, around fearing the Lord. Remember, that's the foundational basis for wisdom. So I hate to tell you, but Solomon's not going to tell you where to go to college. He won't tell you what to be when you grow up. But he will give you godly principles that you can apply to those decisions. He will tell you that fearing the Lord and putting Him first is the first step in your good plan. And without it, does anything else really matter? If you want to have a good plan, it starts with God. So, well, with, with all this talk about gaining wisdom and being corrected and the naive people and the young people, what about somebody who's beyond that? What about ye men and women of wisdom? Can y'all just forget about coming on Wednesday nights for a while? This is for naive people and young people. And I'm pretty wise. Or maybe, I, maybe you think, and I'm pretty old. Who knows? No, here's where verse 5 comes in. Verse 5 and 6. Solomon begins, he says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So if you think you can turn Proverbs off because you already have some wisdom, Solomon's going to encourage you not to do that. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. There's kind of a paradox here, right? Somebody who has already attained wisdom should realize that he or she needs even more of it. 
if you think you're so wise that you can shut the book of Proverbs, you're actually showing yourself to be a fool. Oh, I don't need any of that. I'm pretty wise. You just proved that you weren't. And so while it's great that there's help to be had if you're simple, if you're naive and gullible and open-minded, or if you're young, there's also a great benefit if you're wise. You need to add to it. You need to increase in that. And Solomon encourages you, if you feel like you're in this category, to hear. Let the wise hear. And I think it's awesome that this word hear was used by Solomon during that famous story of 1 Kings chapter 3 when he asked God for wisdom. And we, I read this verse earlier, but I didn't pinpoint this part of it. Solomon said, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. And that phrase, an, an understanding mind, literally means a hearing heart or a listening heart. And so it has the idea of being open and attentive, ready to not just hear from God, but listen to Him and obey Him. And now Solomon is encouraging the wise people to do that with Proverbs. Solomon asked God to give him a, a listening heart. And now he's encouraging us to have that same heart. Listen. And pay attention. Hear. If you want to get as much out of Proverbs as possible, then you've got to open up the ears of your heart. Be attentive. So just ask yourself, are you ready to hear from God? Or do you think you're pretty wise on your own and this book has nothing to offer you? Because you're probably right either way. If you understand what I'm saying. So Solomon's going to encourage us quite often in Proverbs to listen. About 30 times this word is used in Proverbs for hear. And almost every time it's just an encouragement to listen and pay attention. So Solomon asked God for a hearing heart. That's what we need as we approach this study. And that sort of leads into this fifth purpose um, that is tied with this. In verse 6, here's our, our, our fifth two word, right? To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. We've seen this word for understand before. It's the same one back in verse 2 that has the idea of discerning between two things. Okay, It's the same word, understanding that separation and the differences and making good judgment. And so Solomon wants the wise student to read Proverbs in order to understand Proverbs, in order to understand wise sayings and these enigmas and these riddles and mysteries. And that kind of seems funny in a way, doesn't it? It's almost like a circular argument type thing. Learning from Proverbs will help you understand Proverbs. But it's, it's not an, unheard, an, an unheard of thing. Jesus said similar things about his parables. If you were in Brother Connor's Sunday school class Sunday in Matthew 13, he, he, he sort of talked about that. And so it, it, it's not unheard of. And it also makes sense because we know that sometimes wisdom sayings are not easy to swallow like sometimes it involves some chewing. We've got to think about it. We've got to pray about it, especially because God's wisdom is so different from this world's wisdom. And especially when this life is not always simple. 
And so Solomon wants the wise person to, to listen and increase in learning to understand these things. To understand the Proverbs and parables and, and, and allegories and, and wisdom sayings and, and all of these things. It's going to take some discernment to even unpack these things. And so there's the, the fifth purpose. Solomon wants us to be able to understand some of these mysteries of life given in these proverbial sayings, these, these tough sayings. Solomon was a very well-prepared and organized teacher. That probably isn't a surprise based on how wise he was. He, he told us exactly what to expect up front, told us exactly why we should study this book, what the goals, expectations, what the purposes were, and he, he stated five of them. And I'm just going to kind of quickly uh, go back through those and just sort of remind you one more time as we close. The five purposes that were stated in these verses for studying the book of Proverbs. Number one, to know wisdom and instruction. Number two, to understand words of insight. Number three, to receive instruction in wise dealing. And remember, that then manifests itself in three areas. To give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to youths, or that skill in planning. And then number five, to understand these mysterious words of wisdom. I'll be honest with you, I felt completely overwhelmed and inadequate in preparing this lesson, even though this lesson is simply the goals of the book. And Solomon wrote the lesson for me. You know, I mean, but these are some very weighty and heavy purposes and benefits if we'll, if we'll apply ourselves to this book. So I hope this doesn't sound selfish, but please pray for me while I prepare these lessons because I do feel absolutely overwhelmed and inadequate. We need God's help going through this book together. But with these awesome, wonderful purposes in mind, the application I want to leave you with is that let's dedicate ourselves to this study and pray that God does accomplish these purposes in our lives. Let's have a hearing heart like Solomon did. Let's be attentive and ready to hear what God says. Let's be humble enough to accept His correction when we realize maybe we've been doing something wrong or thinking about something wrong and we need to be corrected. Correction's not always fun, but it's for our benefit. Right? A loving father corrects his children for their good. And God wants to do that for his children. So let's, let's commit ourselves. Let's be excited about this book because of the ways that we see here that Solomon states that it can, it can change everything about our lives. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your word and the depth of it the truth of it, and the just the practical and applicable nature of it to our lives, Lord. Please be with us as we uh, do our best to study through this, this book of your wisdom. And with your spirit, Lord, and hopefully with, with our humility coupled with your spirit, God, and, and our hearts being attentive, I pray that you will accomplish these purposes that Solomon put forth, Lord. Thank you so much for Jesus. 
If there's someone who doesn't know him as their Savior, Lord, we pray for their salvation. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We pray you are encouraged by today's message from the Word of God. This sermon audio is available for free on all major podcast formats, as well as our website at northbryantbaptist.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you.